The Automotive News Europe podcast is brought to you by Capgemini, a global leader in technology and digital transformation. Visit us online at www.capgemini.com and learn how Capgemini can help you get the future you want. Hello and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for December 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck. Managing Editor at A&E, thanks so much for joining us today. Volkswagen Group's connectivity partner, Cubic Telecom, is helping the automaker transition toward having software-defined cars. Punita Sinepin, the supplier's vice president of automotive design and innovation, sees 2024-2025 as a pivotal time period for this game-changing shift. She discusses that along with the major trends affecting the telematics sector, and she explains how she's getting used to being a role model for women in the automotive tech field since being named an Automotive News Europe Rising Star in 2021. Hello, Panita. Thank you so much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Hi, Doug. How are you? Fantastic, and so happy you could join us. I'd really like to get started today with a question about megatrends and which megatrends is Cubic Telecom most deeply involved in at the moment? Thanks for the question, Doug. So definitely the first and foremost trend that we align ourselves with, whether it's from our product or services, is definitely connectivity, where every vehicle is connected there is some sort of connectivity element enabled, and that leads to in-vehicle mobility service experience enhancement as well. That's the second trend that we pretty much align to the industry as well. Like on top of the connectivity, what are the services that OEM, the vehicle manufacturers would like to enable for the consumers, right? So where the car makers are transitioning to a connected services, that includes all the digital functions like upgrades, uh, even the vehicle capability upgrade and new services from the entertainment perspective, like how can they offer all the streaming services, additional streaming services, how to keep up to a sustainability as well, and how do they manage the vehicle life cycle via connectivity and all the services that they offer. And can you speak a little bit about what the automakers that you're working with are most commonly asking you for? What do they really need you guys to help them with? First one is data. How, because the, once the vehicle is connected, there is so many data is being generated from the vehicle can be transferred transfer to the partners as well as to their backend system. Like how can they maximize and monetize the data and enable new opportunities for consumers to have a different experience at the same time that can increase their market share from the revenue perspective as well. So that's one area that we have a lot of collaboration with the key uh, vehicle uh, makers right now where it's all about data, right? And then how can they use uh, the data and optimize the cost of their development as well as how do they create new value 
for the ecosystem players. And then the second one is about the legacy technology, how like company like Cubic can remove the barriers to opportunities. Like for example, when you talk about the connectivity, there is like a decades of investment on the existing, uh, the hardware design, whether it's a hardware design or software, the overall system, the vehicle design, that leads into like reusing much more legacy component in their development life cycle. And also how certain workflow, data flow from the vehicle manufacturer can't be changed because of all this heavy uh, integration that already happened. So that's where a company like Cubic, we can customize, we are flexible in many ways, right? So we can customize and cater to OEM's need and their workflow. So I think that's where we, we are, we, that's where OEM like aligned very much closely to partners like Cubic compared to a big MNO, where big MNO, big players usually are rigid in many ways because of all the heavy investment that already happened for many years. So I think that's where that's where we are pretty much uh, in conversation. In most of our conversations, always these two areas is where we provide our our, our service. When it comes to all the different capabilities that you guys have, I kind of see you like the human brain, right? And we often hear that the human brain only we only use X percent of it, ten percent, five percent, twenty percent, depending on the situation. When it comes to what you can do and what you're allowed to do, where are you at when it comes to the automaker relationship? Are you at maybe 25% of what you could do or is it 50%? What potential are you guys able to play to at this moment in time? In my personal perspective, the vehicle makers, they have upper hand in every situation. And this is where 80% they get what they want in every discussion. As players like Cubic and some of the other partners, usually we have a, we have 20 to 30 percent opportunity for us to influence their um, decision. So that's the power dynamic I see, 70 and 30 right now. But then Cubic, we are looking into a ways to improve that because right now when we work with the vehicle makers, it's more about when they need a solution, they come to us and we enable the solution for them, right? So that's where they already have an architectural design, then we just need to help to enable that design for them. So that's why it I see it's 70, 30 or 80, 20 most of the time, but then we are shifting that by influencing the vehicle makers on their future roadmap. Now we have started looking into what is the design change we need to enable for 2024 market. So in order to achieve a new design, we need to work with them like two or three years earlier to influence the design decision that the OEM makes as well. So in that way, we have 60 to 40, maybe 60 is the OEM and 40 is where. So you can't expect like from 20% or 30% to immediate shift to 50%. It's going to be a gradual shift by enabling the OEM to offer more value to their consumer. So that's when they see what's the role that this partner can bring to the table and they want you to be part of the table more often. 
We'll continue our conversation with Punita Sinapin after this message. Driving the Future is a podcast about where the automotive industry is going and how not only to keep up with the rapidly changing business, but to shape it. Fueled by such factors as the climate crisis and the digital revolution, the automotive industry is changing. Whether we're talking about electric vehicles or the new customer experiences that digital technologies enable, whether it's transforming from being a manufacturer into an organization that provides mobility services, the map of the industry is being redrawn. Driving the Future has insights to help your organization shape the future of mobility. This season goes into such topics as electric-powered commercial vehicles, how to build strategic partnerships to increase innovation, and new omni-channel sales models. Subscribe now to the series on Capgemini, Spotify, and Apple channels, and let Capgemini help you drive the future you want. Can you tell us a little bit about the customers you're working with and what parts you're doing? Right now, I can speak to you about some of the customers that are using our product in their life vehicle. So we work with all the brands within VW Group, like Porsche, Audi, VW, Skoda, Seat. So these are the customers from the VW Group. But we also offer solution in agriculture site, where Case New Orleans is our customer. And in many of these relationships, especially when it gets started, you need to piggyback with a tier one supplier. Is that something you have to do now or are you guys having direct conversations with the uh, with the automakers, with the Volkswagen Group brands? Currently, we work with the vehicle makers directly. So we don't have to deal with tier one that often uh, because the tier one decision will happen very early stage of this planning uh, for the development cycle. And tier one will be decided because they have to deliver the hardware and the software that goes into the TCU and hit unit and all this component that goes into the vehicle. But connectivity is like a software solution. You don't have to, as long as the solution is aligned to the TCU design that they enable, the modems that sits within the TCU and the SIM configuration and all that, then so because of the software elements, usually the connectivity partner brought into the discussion later stage of the development. So, so the OEM and tier one, they work together. The decision has been made, who is a tier one and what's the design will be done. And then they will approach, the OEM will approach, the vehicle manufacturer will approach the connectivity partner for the solution that they are looking for and what are the footprint that they need based on the market launch plan that they enable uh, internally. And then that's when we support directly to the vehicle uh, manufacturer. But there are cases that where we need to support the tier one as well. One example I could say is re uh, because of the chip shortage that we are facing in the uh, globally, and there was a case where one of our, our customer customer means the vehicle maker, right? So they need to change the TCU because of the chip shortage. To help the tier one to expedite, expedite the time to market, we need to support the tier one in terms of the regulatory compliance and all the certification process that they need to work to launch in one of the Asian country. I think it's South Korea, okay? So we work with the tier one 
on the need basis, but we don't have to work with them all the time. And you mentioned a TCU. What is that short for? Oh, telematic control unit. This is where the SIM and the modem sits. Okay, fantastic. And just in case uh, people are not up on their acronyms, because <laughs> I'm. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Okay. And um, how has the chip crisis impacted your business? Not so much. Like I said, right, we don't have a hardware business. Most of our solution is based on software. And we are not directly impacted, but we see some of our customers as being impacted by this chip shortage because the, their vehicle launch schedule has been delayed because of this. But I, I think it played in a favor for us as well. That gives us more time to work on our solution and, and prepare the readiness in release cycle. But then at the same time, but it's not a direct impact to us. There's always a silver lining with a little more time, isn't there? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> also wanted to get your feedback on how close are we with what you are seeing in your part of the market to getting to that software defined car? It seems to be the holy grail and what so many of the uh, the automakers in the industry wants to get towards. You're actually putting software in the vehicle. How close are we to seeing a software, completely software defined car based on what you guys are seeing? I think in, in terms of the progress, I would say, um, it has a significant growth compared to a few years ago. And most companies are trying to consolidate all the software initiative within the organization. Like uh, they, and the, the pickup rate for software implementation have seen a significant or exponential growth recently. Of course, barriers exist uh, because of the culture and the mindset of the automakers. And also they have a multi-decade legacy of car making, right? So that's, that leads to um, cost, which is the major barrier, right? Uh, clean architecture with less legacy infrastructure, um, that's going to be an initial investment, which will be a high investment in, in their view, which um, I believe uh, that will help in the long run, they will recoup their investment with this investment. For example, um, since we are closely aligned with VW Group, I can talk about VW Group, right? So VW Group in the past, they have individual brand drive their own software strategy, software platform. Right now, they have an organization within VW Group, Carriot. Carriot is looking into consolidating all the software architectures and software architecture in terms of what goes into the vehicle, what sits in the back end, what's in between. So, and this design is catered for model year 2024 and 2025 and beyond. And this will be applicable for all the brands within the VW group. And similar approach I, I've seen in Stellantis as well. FCA's recent merger um, and they have a separate organization to focus on all this software consolidation. It's not just software, but overall system consolidation where 
software and hardware comes together as a system and more software investment has to be done. So from this trend, this reorg uh, trends that I've been observing in the industry, I would say they would be very close to achieve a software driven vehicle by 2024, 2025. But how successful that would be, I think we all have to wait and watch how the progress has been made and how, what are the challenges that we, we are seeing by 2024, 2025. But I think we are hit in the game right now. We got to meet each other not that long ago at the Rising Stars celebration for 2021. You were one of our Rising Stars and wanted to ask you how life has been since being named a Rising Star. Oh yeah, Doug, it was an interesting event to attend uh, back in September in Munich. And it was my privilege to be there and meet you in person as well. Yes, I'm, I'm so proud and glad to be a uh, Automotive News Europe Rising Star in, uh, this year. And like, I think the life has been not too much difference compared to before and after. It's just that I think in overall, not too much different in terms of how I perceive uh, everything, but it's great to be recognized. And it gives a confident boost for me. And, and you know, my daughter was there with me for the event and it's a great confident boost in her as well. So as a mom, I feel proud uh, and I can see the, that in her, eyes, in her eyes as well. And also from the professional world, it gives Cubic, my company, a recognition globally as well because people people started noticing like, okay, because of me being part of Rising Star and then my company get the recognition. And also it helps to raise the profile of women in automotive tech and it encourage others, right? So I'm being approached by a lot of women across the globe to, to see those who are seeing me as a role model where you are able to have a busy career that being recognized in the world and celebrated in many ways. At the same time, you can have a personal life and raising a teenage daughter as well. So I think that's an eye opening for a lot of women. And I am glad that I'm able to be that type of role model to encourage others to, to lead um, into the similar tech industry as well. While it was our honor to have you at the uh, Rising Stars, you definitely proved yourself. And it was an, a truly a pleasure to sit down and reconnect with you and have you as a guest on the Automotive News Europe podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Doug. We reached Ponita Sinopin at her office in Dublin, Ireland. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a wide range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or on our website at europe.autonews.com. 
That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for December 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at a e Thanks so much for spending time with us and wanted to let you know that the entire a e team wishes you a safe and happy holiday season. We'll be back with a new podcast next week, so please be sure to tune in again soon.